Well, good evening, everybody. It is really sweet to be together uh, in this way. Uh, not the way that we long to be together, but it is still sweet to see your faces, and I am really thankful. And we're going to close out the series uh, that we've been doing all this semester on the questions of Jesus. And we've looked at some, uh, some incredible passages and stories about Jesus. We've, we've asked these questions. Uh, why, what are you seeking? Do you want to be healed? Why did you doubt? Why are you so afraid? What are you... What are you seeking? And this, this, this evening, we're going to ask a, a question from someone that's much less qualified than Jesus, uh, me. I want to ask you a question. And the question is this, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And we're going to, we're going to leave the Gospels tonight, and we're going to look at a passage in Romans chapter 8. And so I want to start up by saying that with this question and in this passage, Jesus is inviting you to wait on him. And he's inviting you to wait on him in the redemption that, that he brings. Uh, Romans, if you've read it, it's a, it's a deeply profound book of the Bible. And the short version of it is that in the cross of Jesus Christ, God has dealt with our unrighteousness through his righteous mercy and love in such a way that though uh, we are still sinners, we're made righteous in Christ. And Romans 8 is a is a special chapter in Romans and in the biblical story as a whole. I had a, a professor, uh, this is the, the man who convinced me uh, or who made me want to go to seminary and be a pastor. He used to say, all roads lead to Romans 8. Uh, and in the, the first section of Romans 8, verses 1 to 11, Paul talks about what it's like to live now as people who have been set free by the Spirit of God. And then in verses, uh, the next section, verses 12 to 17, he talks about uh, how because we've received God's, God's Spirit, we've been uh, adopted as His children. He says we're now co-heirs with Christ. And then in this next big section, verses 18 to 30, a part of which is what we're going to look at tonight, it's about the, the future glory that's in store for all who are children of God. And then he finishes the chapter with these famous verses about how nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So with, with a little bit of that in mind, I'm going to read... Uh, Romans 8, 18 to 25. It's going to be up on your screen, and then I'll pray and we'll get started. It says God's word, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. Sorry, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us 
because he loves us. Let me pray and then we'll jump into this passage. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful for the chance to be together through Zoom tonight. Uh, Lord, even in that, we feel the tension, the longing that's not satisfied of wanting to be together. Please give us grace to, to feel the warmth of uh, your presence with us tonight as we gather. And please, Holy Spirit, speak through your words so that we might know you more and love you and love each other. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, I got some hand sanitizer in the mail from Amazon.com. I ordered it on March 16th, over a month ago. And I remember ordering it. I remember when the, the COVID-19 panic was just setting in and we realized we were going to need stuff like this, searching on Amazon for hand sanitizer and seeing that I was going to have to wait weeks and weeks, that the estimated shipping was way far in the distance. And it was a terrible feeling because uh, I, I don't want to brag, but I am an Amazon Prime member and I'm used to getting things within 48 hours of ordering them, if not sooner. And I was realizing at that moment that in this season of life, this new normal, if you want to call it that, of coronavirus, that I was going to have to learn to wait. And to be honest, I haven't done a very good job at this. I haven't really learned how to wait well. I've been overwhelmed at times with how the things that I want, the things that I love, the things I'm longing for, things that I have to wait for. I can't have them now. Like I want to be off Zoom and having RUF large group with you in person, but I have to wait. I want to hug my friends when they walk by on the street in my backyard, but I have to wait. I want to worship at my church and take communion, but I have to wait. I want to take my wife out to dinner, but I have to wait. I want to drive to Alexandria and see my baby nephew who was born yesterday afternoon, but I have to wait. I want to go to the beach this summer with Maggie's family reunion, but I have to wait. And this passage in Romans 8 is all about waiting. And I just want to look at three things from it. Uh, tonight. The first is that life is waiting. God's Word teaches us that life is actually a life of waiting. Second is the question, what are we waiting for? And then third is the question, how do we wait? So first, tonight, life is, is waiting. Uh, like me in my, my five-week wait for hand sanitizer, this COVID-19 season has been filled with this sense of waiting. You feel that? Filled with things that we, that we long for, but we're not we're not getting them yet. And so I want to ask you, where, where do you feel that longing for things that you have to wait for? Where do you feel it? Are you waiting to get back to Lexington? Are you waiting for virtual school to be over? Are you waiting for quarantine to be lifted so you can do the things that you like? Do you feel the tension of waiting to see your friends, waiting for summer, waiting for a job, waiting for love, waiting to move out of your parents' house? it makes you feel so small to be treated like a child again or so uncomfortable to have to be the grown-up in the room we have this this restless low-grade anxiety all the time right now and I think that at least a part of it is that we're being forced to to just wait a lot more than we're used to and I want to just say that the good news is that if you are feeling this you're not crazy the Bible says that life is waiting that life is a tension between what our life looks like today and what we hope it will look like in the future. And according to Romans 8, that tension is focused on what Paul says is the suffering that we experience now and the glory we will experience later. And this glory, which we'll, we'll unwrap as we go along tonight, is, is something that we have to wait for. It's a, ver, it's, a, it's a passage all about waiting. Verse 19 says that the, that the creation itself waits. The earth is, 
is personified and described as waiting for something. And we wait too. In verse 23, we, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. And this experience of waiting is really, really difficult. It's really difficult for, for at least two reasons. The first we see in verse 20, it says this, the, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Futility. This is actually a reference back to the Garden of Eden, the beginning of time, right after creation at the beginning of the Bible. It's Genesis 3, when as a consequence of Adam and Eve's sin, everything about life on earth becomes subjected to Futility, some of the consequences of them eating the fruit they weren't supposed to eat is that their work of bringing life into the world, it's broken. God says, by the sweat of your brow, through thorns and thistles, you'll harvest this land. God says that with great pain, you'll bring children into this world, woman. It means that things don't work the way they're supposed to. So while we're waiting, it's going to be hard. It's going to be inefficient. It won't all work. It'll be frustrating. Right? That's futility. Do you feel that sense of futility in your life right now? The, the second thing is in verse 21, we read that creation is waiting to be set free from bondage to corruption. To corruption. So not only do, do things not work the way they're supposed to, but people, you and me, don't work the way that we're supposed to. We're corrupt. We have darkness in our hearts. We navigate life with, with selfishness and anger and bitterness and deceit and greed and vanity and lust. Can, can you feel that right now? Can you feel that things in your life are not the way they're supposed to be? Can you feel that you, yourself, and the people around you are just a little off, that they're not living out of the kind of love and truth that we say we think are good? Uh, do, you feel, uh, do you feel this? I, I feel this. It makes us long for a change. It makes us long for something better and something new. That's what, that's what waiting is. It's that feeling of longing for something better and something new. And part of the good news is that you are not crazy if that's how you feel, that life is actually about waiting for something better and something new. And so this leads us to, to the second point, which is the invitation from Jesus to you and to me to wait on the right thing, which is Him. Because the world isn't how it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be longing for something new and better. So what are you longing for? What are we waiting for? And this is a question that we each have to ask ourselves, uh, that in the midst of futility and brokenness that you're experiencing right now, what are you longing for? Another way to say it is, is this, what's the thing that you think can fix it? What's the thing that you think can take away that feeling of futility and give you peace and joy? Do, do we believe that if we got to leave our house and, and go back into normal life, it would make us happy? Is that what we're waiting for? To believe that if you got a job offer, it would make you peaceful again? What about two weeks where you didn't have to get on any Zoom calls? What about lots and lots of junk food? What about a few too many drinks? What about getting to tube down the Mari during spring term? Or what about walking across the podium in front of Lee Chapel during graduation? What about getting to go on the trip you wanted? What about four tiny pocket-sized bottles of hand sanitizer arriving in the mail from China 33 days after you ordered it. Now, some of these things that we wait for, they aren't bad, right? They're, they're good and they're honorable, but even the best things in this life, the best circumstances that could happen to us are actually not worthy of our hopes. That even if we got them, they wouldn't be enough to relieve us, to free us from the futility of our lives. The problem that we have, the problem that 
that I am finding that I have is that I'm constantly waiting for these kinds of things. Romans 8 calls it in verse, tw- in verse 24, ho- hoping in what we see. Hoping in what we see. Waiting for things that won't actually solve this futility and brokenness in our lives. And the thing that I've realized in the past few weeks and that I'm still realizing each day is that I'm waiting on these kinds of things. Waiting on things that are circumstantial in my life, unfortunately, only leads to heartbreak. It only actually leads to more disappointment. It only leads to more anger and to self-pity because there's only one thing that's worth the wait, that's worth waiting on, and that's the fullness of our redemption in Christ. And this is one of those passages where the Bible pulls back the veil a little on the, on the things of glory and eternity. That's the language. Look at the language. In, in verse 19, it says that creation waits with eager longing for what? For the, for the revelation of the sons of God. And then in verse 21, that creation will obtain freedom, the freedom of the children of God. And then later, and, and this may not mean much to you now, but it will one day. I've been thinking about this as my, my uh, brother's wife gave birth to my nephew Simon yesterday says that like a laboring mother longs to hold her little baby, that with that kind of desperate hunger, we groan and wait eagerly for what? For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is the Christian hope. This is what, uh, what we believe is that what is spiritually true for us now, that we are God's beloved children, saved by the death and resurrection of Christ, will be fully realized and consummated in a redemption that will find its conclusion not just in our hearts and in our minds, but in our bodies, in the very created order itself. That a day is coming that we are waiting for it when we'll be free from the futility of life that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. We'll be free from being people and being subject to people who are ruled by darkness and we will finally and fully walk in the light that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us to a new and perfect life in him and a real life. Not a harps on clouds with wings, but a real life. Paul talks about this day in 1 Corinthians 15, the day that, that the waiting is over and we enter into the fullness of eternity with God in paradise. No more sorrow, no more tears, no more deceit or frustration or death, no more waiting, just living life the way that we're longing to as children of our Heavenly Father, lavished in His love for us, enjoying His glory and power, free from sin and death. And the invitation tonight from our Savior is to remember that we are waiting for great and wondrous things. Not just our circumstances this week or this month or this summer to change, but great and wondrous things of eternity. And that only this great hope is worth our hopes and our longings. Only that's worth our wait. Because when we wait for our circumstances to change in this life, it's only going to lead to more futility. But when we wait for God, when we long to be home with Him, we actually grow closer to Him now because although we are not yet the way we will be on that day, that even now He is with us, loving us now, encouraging us now, giving us meaning and joy and peace now, so Paul is saying, you're made to wait, but maybe you've been waiting for the wrong thing. 
Maybe you've been caught up in, in your circumstances getting better. And he says, put your hope in him. Wait for the day of your redemption. And this thing that you're waiting for, unlike all the uncertainty we have about what's going to happen in, in, our, in our nation and in the world right now, this hope is a certain hope. And I do not know when that day will come and what it will be like, but I know this. Jesus was raised from the dead. That new life, it already exists because it exists and is experienced in Him and in His life. And He came and lived and died and rose so that we might be made like Him. We will have it because He already does. And He got it for us and He's worth the wait. That's the thing that's worth the wait. And then lastly tonight, how, how do we wait? The, the passage ends with this line. It says, if we, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So how do we wait? How do we, how do we cultivate patience in the midst of this futility and brokenness that surrounds us even now? How do we keep our, our waiting, our hope focused on God and his redemption and not on our present circumstances changing? And I, and I, and I just have three suggestions for you, okay? And the first comes from verse 18, and that's to hold on to the eternal perspective. Paul says at the beginning of this section, our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. I don't care what is going on and how bad it is. It's nothing compared to the weight of the glory that you will experience if you belong to Jesus. And so we have to talk about and to read about and to pray about and to sing about this beautiful redemption to keep it in our minds. And this is part of what we're doing tonight. This is part of what happens when we go to church, even virtually. We're rehearsing this story and, and realigning our hearts towards the trajectory of eternity. And we have to do it again and again so we don't settle and start to put our hope to wait for lesser things that can't solve our futility, even if we get them. we got to hold to the eternal perspective. Secondly, uh, we're invited by Jesus to abide in Him and His love now. The the fullness of this experience of redemption will be experienced as perfect intimacy with Jesus. And I really believe that God is using this time where we, where I feel more deeply than ever that we're waiting for something new and better. He's using it to invite us to more fully experience the blessing that we have in Jesus now. In the midst of futility and brokenness, Christ is with you. Don't let this season pass pass by and miss out on the invitation to draw nearer to Jesus. To pick up your Bible, to sit in your backyard, to go for a walk, to listen to worship music. You can, you can meet today with the one you're longing to be with for eternity. You can be with him today. And then the last thing I'd say by way of application is this, is to be courageous in talking about your hope in Christ with others. And I say that because people all around you with all kinds of beliefs and worldviews and ideas about life and God and faith, are feeling more than ever this tension of waiting. They're feeling the futility and brokenness. They're feeling that this way of living is not the way it's supposed to be. And I'm praying, and I'd ask you to pray that the time might be ripe for many people who we know to consider the sure hope offered in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they can wait on Him. Let's be courageous. We're going we're gonna to end tonight uh, the way that we have ever since we went virtual in a time of, of corporate prayer. And, and what we're doing, even as we pray, as we read God's Word, as we pray, 
is we're realigning our hearts and our hopes. We are pointing our waiting back at Christ who seeks us out, who saves us in his love and who will one day, one day himself welcome us into eternity and glory of his kingdom. We did this last week using the first half of the Beatitudes. Those are the blessings that Jesus says in Matthew 5 to, to start the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to finish those tonight. And so different students will, will read a line and then there will be a, a pause and a time for us to pray. So please, this is a time of corporate prayer together. Please, uh, after you hear these verses, unmute yourself and pray out loud so that we can all be blessed by hearing you. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and uh, share the verses from Matthew 5, starting in verse 7 on the screen, and then Rose is going to start. So Rose, please start us out um, with verse 7. And then as she reads, be paying attention to where your heart is longing and what you want from God, and please pray out loud. Go ahead. 